Beginning a new series this morning that will take us through Easter Sunday, and the title is Risen. I want you to know the power of the resurrection, and I want you to know the power of the hero within that lies on the inside of you. The resurrection wasn't just about our salvation, it was about our success. And Jesus called us to greater works, and I believe the biggest problem in the kingdom of God is that the children of God don't know how powerful they really are. And they don't believe in themselves. And I pray after this series, you'll begin to operate in kingdom power. And greater works you will do, not in your own flesh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. I believe with all of my heart the Spirit is leading this place and His grace is covering this place. So the first message this morning is raised to walk in the newness of life. I want to teach you about the second ordinance of the church this morning, and that is the ordinance of baptism. We believe in the church there are two ordinances. One is communion and the other is baptism. Baptism is not a ritual that you endure. It is revelation that you can experience. It is a ritual that you must embrace. People say, do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? No, but why wouldn't you want to be? Because the true result of salvation is that you want to obey God's word and you want to do what Jesus asks you to do. And for some of you watching and some of you in this house, baptism could be your only opportunity to stand in front of your peers, to stand in front of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of this world and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ that changed me, that saved my soul and that set me ablaze. There is a baptism of fire that you need, which has to do with the Holy Spirit. But first, you must be baptized by immersion according to the word of God. And you are to be baptized after you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. People say, is it okay to get baptized more than once? Absolutely. I've been baptized four or five times. And every time I go to Israel, I get baptized in the Jordan River. There's nothing wrong with getting things right with the Lord and having an experience with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We know that when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And the Father spoke, Abba, Father, and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I believe some of you need to do this today. We have shorts, we have t shirts. We have men's and women's dressing rooms. There's privacy in stalls. You can go home in your dry clothes so you have no excuse. What is hindering you from being baptized this morning? So let's begin with Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. I want to teach a little bit, and I hope to answer most of the questions one might have about the doctrine of baptism. Chapter 6. Beginning with verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does that first verse mean? Well, you have to rewind back to chapter 5 where the apostle Paul, who is about to be beheaded by the emperor Nero, who hated Christianity, he hated God's people, he would actually use Christians as lampposts for his garden and set them on fire 
because of their belief in Jesus Christ and we can't even get people to come to church today. And the saints of that day would literally be mutilated, caught on fire and tortured for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so in the previous chapter, Paul would say, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Everybody say all the more. So just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ. So in chapter five, the apostle Paul says, listen, sin can never defeat grace. No matter how dark the sin, no matter how difficult the season, grace abounds. But he has to bring some balance to that in the next chapter. So this first verse might make a little more sense to you now. What shall we say then? Because he's already said a thing. Everybody with me? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? In other words, there is grace and then there is grace gone wild. And I'm a grace preacher. I don't believe we've tapped into the true riches of God's grace in Christendom. I don't believe any of us have ever accurately described God's love or his grace. But I will say this, what goes on in your mind and your spirit, only God truly knows. So if you're of the mindset that I prayed a prayer, I got saved, now I can do whatever the heck I want, then you aren't truly saved. You have what the Bible calls a reprobate mind. You think you are your own God and you are smarter than God. So even your salvation prayer is not legit because you mouth words, but you never changed direction and you never turned and started walking with God. But here is the deal. Only God knows what's in your heart. I don't know. Church going people don't know, but God knows if you're taking advantage of his free gift of grace. Yes, spiritually, grace will always overwhelm the law. Grace will always defeat sin. No matter the darkness or the tragedy, God will always get the glory for our story. Grace is powerful. But if we have the mindset that we should not live right because we mount to prayer at eight years old, friend, you're mistaken. And you need Jesus and you need to be saved and baptized. And you need to truly know God for yourself. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death, raised to walk in the newness of life. Again, it is not just a ritual to be endured. It's a ritual that must be embraced. And it represents your new life in Christ being led by the precious Holy Spirit of the living God. For if, verse 5, we've been united together in the likeness of his death, which means when Jesus died, our body of flesh died, our ambitions died, our sin struggle died. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. In other words, yes, you will always fight your flesh, but when you get baptized, 
It is a picture of your flesh dying and the spirit living through you for the rest of your life. Somebody say, I got a spirit living on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin or of fear, as Pastor Angie sang. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Somebody ought to give him some praise for that. Christian people ought not be scared of death. Now, I'm not saying you should be looking forward to death. You should be looking forward to life after death. But death is the final sting, the ultimate enemy, the Bible says. It's Satan's last little attempt to defeat mankind. But when Jesus Christ after three days of being in the tomb, got up out of the grave, he guaranteed our victory and our spot in the new Jerusalem. He guaranteed our eternal purpose. And that tells us that we should not walk around fearing death 24 hours a day. We know that what Jesus did was prophesied, promised, and paid for. It paid for our future. It paid for our freedom. It paid for our finances. It paid for every aspect of our lives. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are under law, but under grace. Now grace can be twisted and grace can cause you to be goofy. Grace is not an excuse not to have common sense or use discernment. In other words, if you've got three felonies and you don't have custody of your own kids, you're not working with the children around here. And if anybody's got a problem with that, check yourself into the psych ward. I've told our student ministry and our kids ministry, be judgmental. That's the only area. I don't want anybody messing with our kids. Anybody got a problem with that? I don't want anybody messing with these kids and I don't want anybody that has a struggle like that that could hurt a child to be within a thousand feet of our kids. And we're not gonna have it. But you can take grace and you can manipulate it. Oh, you're not showing grace. No, I'm using wisdom. You got to have wisdom and grace. Grace is not being dumb. How many of y'all with children are gonna go take your child over to a sex offender's house? Cause you got grace. Grace ain't an excuse to be stupid. Come on, somebody, are you anybody with me today? Grace is not an excuse to be stupid. Hebrews 6, therefore, leave the elementary teaching about Christ, press on to maturity in the doctrine of baptism. So again, it's not a ritual to be endured, but baptism can and should be a ritual we embrace. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. 
Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins. As a ritual that we should embrace, we learn that baptism is first a symbol and it is part of our obedience to God. It is part of our faith walk. When we baptize to fulfill the concept of this symbol, we baptize you identifying you with Christ in first his death. You identify with Christ in his death, Romans 6 verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Next, burial. The next verse, 6-4, we've read it to you. We're buried with him through baptism into death. But the greatest part of the gospel story is what? Come on. The resurrection. It's not just that he died, it's that he got up out of a grave so that you can live free and fully alive. That's the good news. It says we've become united with him in the likeness of his death, but we shall also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. When the Holy Spirit comes, John 16, verse eight, he will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, because there are those who refuse to believe in him. Of righteousness, because Jesus said, I go to my Father. Righteousness is right standing with Jesus. That's why he goes to the Father. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged, the devil, his power has been taken away. And as we've been teaching on Wednesday nights, he's a loser and he's already lost, but he will lose ultimately and finally at Armageddon and be thrown into the lake of fire. Baptism is not only a ritual that must be embraced, it is a revelation that one should experience. 1 Corinthians 10 verse one, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the seal. Remember when they crossed the Red Sea? There were some drowned Egyptians, amen. God made a way out of no way. They went down and came back up. That is the old covenant picture of new covenant grace. We go down into that water and we come back up with a new purpose, amen. If you came down into the water and did not come up with heavenly purpose, then you just got wet, not baptized. Because when you go down in that thing, you ought to come up ready to live free and fully alive. As a revelation that we experience, we learn that baptism is not only a symbol, but it is also a key that unlocks our freedom in Christ and launches us into our destiny. Romans 6, 5, for if we've become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Revelation releases faith and when we are baptized in response to revelation, God drowns our enemies in the water just like the children of Israel. So every sin struggle, every hater, everything that happened to you that you didn't deserve, everything that you've been confused about, every doubt that you've had, when you go into that water and you get up, your enemy's been drowned in the water and you're walking in divine kingdom purpose. It's a revelation you should experience. Mark chapter one, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. 
immediately coming up out of the water. Now, I'm not trying to be overly Baptist this morning, but you can't come up out of the water unless you went underwater. I'll say that again for those in the back. You can't come up out of the water if you didn't go down in the water. He saw the heavens open and the Father spoke an affirmation to Jesus. Same thing is what God is asking his children to do. So first question, who should be water baptized? John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mark 16, 16, he who has believed, everybody say believed, and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Now it says believed and baptized. I tell you, if some denominations have made too much of baptism, maybe we haven't made enough of it. If some have made too much of it, maybe we haven't made enough of this doctrine. Acts chapter eight, I love this story about Philip. He opened his mouth and began from the scripture preaching Jesus to this eunuch. As they were walking along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? That is the spirit of a true Christian. When God has changed you and you've received his grace, how many of you remember, those of you that are saved, when God set you free? How many of you? Surely more than that. We got more saved people here than that. How many of you remember when God forgave you when you felt that freedom for the first time? When you're truly saved, you ought to want to be baptized. You ought to want that experience and that revelation. Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may indeed be baptized. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop and they both went down, capital D-O-W-N, down into the water. You can't come up out of something unless you go down into it. Down into the, am I being too Baptist today? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Philip as well as the eunuch and baptized him. Who should be water baptized? Everybody that has confessed Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. Next, how should we be water baptized? Well, I've already teased that. Mark chapter one, verse 10 says, immediately coming up out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens opening. Notice Jesus came up out of the water. So that means he went down. I am not against pouring water on someone's head that's disabled. I believe God knows the heart. I'm not against sprinkling. In fact, I think it's a powerful way to dedicate a child. But post-conversion, the Bible teaches that those of us that can ought to be baptized into the water, coming up out of the water. And yes, the Essenes and the early saints as a sign of the Holy Spirit touching their lives, they would even be baptized forward. But always it was by immersion. Why should we be water baptized? We talked about who should do it, how to do it, why should we do it? Acts chapter two, Pastor Peter, who was restored from 
denying Christ says, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And in our text, old self was crucified with him, Romans 6, 6, in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. We've been free of sin those of us that know Jesus and have taken this step. So, because of our obedience with God, that is the first reason we want to obey the scriptures. We want to obey God. Next has to do with our identification with Christ. We want to identify with our risen Savior. We want to do what he said to do. We want to be buried with him and raised to newness of life with our Savior. You know, everybody wants beloved identity until it comes time for us to be obedient. Everybody wants the love of God and to be a father or to be a son or to be a daughter, to be family in the kingdom of God. But in this, beloved identity truly comes from obeying God. Obeying God, doing what God has called us to do. Next, it is an invitation to our past knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. We baptize our sins. We drown our enemies. We don't allow the past to confront us or control us ever again when we stir those waters. It's not only an invitation to our past, it's an affirmation to our soul. Let me tell you, if God the Father could speak when his son Jesus was baptized, I believe with all of my heart that Abba Father, when we obey and our hearts are sincere, I believe there is a spiritual affirmation that comes to our soul. It's God's seal on his children. I believe it is one aspect of being sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's understanding that God is pleased with you. Why don't you just hit your neighbor and say, I'm God's favorite. Absolutely. See, the first thing the devil did when he tempted Jesus was he attacked Jesus in the area of identity. Remember? He said, if you are who you say you are, if, if the devil can get you to start ifing things, if the Bible's true, if sin is real, if the Holy Spirit still operates, if he can get you to start theologically, if and everything, you'll be an atheist. There are some people that have read so many books and have so many degrees in theology, they never led anybody to Jesus. They know it all, but have never done a dadgum thing with the faith on the inside of them, but argue with people. They might call themselves reformed, but they ain't never transformed anybody. I'm telling you, we need an evangelistic move of God and we need to understand that he is our father. He sent his son to provide for our future and that in faith we've been saved. We can have the Holy Spirit. We can advance God's kingdom. And because Jesus got up, we can get up. We can do things. We can be successful and without being ashamed of it. 
Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, the Bible says. It is an anticipation of our future. When we get baptized, we are saying to the world, my sins have been buried, but I'm getting up as a resurrected soul. And I will reign eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the part we never teach. That when you come out of that water, you're saying to the world, I believe that when my flesh is buried, my spirit will be with the Lord. You are making a declaration for your future. When should we be water baptized? Right now. Right now. That's what the eunuch did. What hinders me? from being baptized. We've got the water stirring. God's moved here all weekend. We had some people saved last night at our Hispanic service that are gonna be baptized in just a few moments. But I want my pastors to come down here this morning to the front. And I wanna give each and every one of you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And we're gonna take you up to this baptistry. You're gonna be given clothes and you're going to have plenty of time. It's just 1130. Y'all can beat the Presbyterians to lunch today. But I hope you'll stay and celebrate these baptisms with me. Amen. Because that's what we ought to be doing as believers. Hallelujah. I'm going to be up there. And if we get overwhelmed, I'm going to jump right back in the water and baptize you. Amen. But first, you need to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're watching at home on your phone, you're watching this at a later date and you can't get here, we're gonna do this the 1st of April again. It's a few weeks before Easter, you can register. But I believe God is calling some people today to get this right today. Not to wait another day, not to put it off, but to do it today. I believe it's time we start taking the gospel seriously. I believe it's time that we understand what we're doing in the kingdom, why we're doing it, and what we're called to do. So if you need Jesus Christ in your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Abba's house, help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. Now, in just a moment, I want you to be like the eunuch and go ahead and make your way. Come on, sister, come on. She's already coming. That's the way it ought to be done. Stand on your feet. Everybody stand on your feet. Be willing to get out of people's way that need to come. If you prayed that prayer or you've been saved a long time but you've never taken this ritual that we should embrace seriously, you've never received the revelation from it, I want you to get it right today. You come now and we will baptize you. Heavenly Father, seal this with your spirit. Draw them unto you in this moment. Bring them down in Jesus' name, amen. You come now, don't wait. I'll meet you up there, you come now. Abbasau Saints, be praying, be celebrating. Act like you got the Holy Ghost. All right, give God some praise as people come. You come, don't miss your moment.